Homestyle Green, episode 86. Eaves. I reckon they are one of the best examples of form following function. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm Matthew Cutler-Welsh, host of the show, and this is the podcast all about inspiring people to make a better place to live. Now, for those that uh, tuned in last week, you'll know that I was away uh, with the family over in Australia. had a great visit over there. Always good to go and check out uh, how things are going in a different country, albeit a little bit different, but as I often talk about in this show, that we have a lot more in common with other countries, I think, in our building stock and how we use our buildings than we do in difference. So it's always interesting to go and see kind of different construction uh, standards, different techniques, but ultimately to produce fairly similar buildings and facing fairly similar problems. One of the problems or issues this time of year is that it's a changing of the season. Wherever you are, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, it's turning cold right now. Um, it's beginning of the within sort of the middle of the fall or the autumn season, and in here in the southern hemisphere, it's springtime. So things are a little bit up and down temperature wise, but certainly the ch- the seasons are changing, and that's kind of got me inspired about today's topic. Before we get into that, though, I'd like to say a quick thanks to Nudora, who are the supporters of the show. Couldn't. Uh, do this as well and as comfortably without them. Really appreciate their support. If you're looking for a system or a new product, a very sturdy and energy efficient product to either build your whole house or maybe just a part of your house like the concrete foundation, then check out nudora.com or you can go to energyefficientbuilding.co.nz. Tell them I sent you. Now, the changing of the season is an interesting time. Uh, One of the things that uh, struck me as I was on my way home today was the sun beating down on the west side of uh, some houses. And that has caught my attention a few times, actually, in in a few particular cases. And I actually pulled out the phone and took a photo of a couple of houses that I'll put up on the website and go and check those out. And there's some distinctive differences between the designs of these houses that correlate to the different ages of these houses. And it's something that uh, I'm going to talk about. But before I do, I mentioned that this is, it's the changing of the seasons. And I guess the easy advice for the changing of the season, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere right now, is when things are starting to get colder. There's a lot of things that can be done around the home to prepare for the winter time. When you know it's going to get colder, you're doing things like making sure maybe you need to update your draft proofing to make sure those cold drafts aren't going to get in, checking out the insulation, uh, checking out the heating, filters, thermostats, all that sort of good stuff, getting ready for those uh, cold nights and the colder temperatures. What about on the flip side, though? Here on the Southern Hemisphere, in the Southern Hemisphere, There are still quite a few things that I think now is a really good time to do. So a quick tip from me is that 
we're still in that sort of shoulder period where the cold winter nights that we've experienced recently are probably fresh in our mind, but they won't be for so for too long. And we'll suddenly get used to these long, beautiful days and lots of warm sun. So here's my tip is to make a note of the problem areas around your house because I'll still be fresh in your mind right now and there might still be a few cool evenings where you do feel those drafts or you notice some moisture on the windows, condensation, uh, gathering, mold, maybe musty smells. I certainly all those are present in my house. I'm I'm a, a little bit embarrassed to admit. Now is a really good time to make a note of where those are because it might be slightly too early, for example, to touch up the paint on some window sills. But now is a really good time to say, okay, well, let's prioritize what I'm going to do as soon as the house dries out enough in summer for um, to prioritize those areas that are going to need the maintenance. Also, where is the moisture the worst? Because that will be fresh in your memory now. So have a think about it. And now is a really good time while you're motivated and while the reality of the cold and the damp and the mold, while that's still fresh in your mind and you've got that motivation to do something about it, then get it done now. Because then come next winter and the next change of the season, you'll be all ready, set to go. All right, so that's enough of that. I want to talk about today's topic, which is simply eaves. Now, eaves, eaves are a bit of a, another pet topic of mine coming up from the uh, Concrete Foundation is my, my, probably my biggest pet topic right now. But at the other end of the wall, at the top of the wall, there are eaves. And I, I think there are, there are three main functions of eaves as I see it. One's to do with sun, one's to do with rain, and the third one really is just to do with looks. So another way of putting that is radiation, precipitation, and admiration. And I'm going to start with admiration first because this is a classic case of form-following function, I reckon. If you ask a typical child, and I've done this with my kids as well, ask a child to, to draw a house. And in fact, this is the genesis of my current Homestyle Green logo. It's basically a big triangle sitting on top of a small rectangle. If you can picture a very, very simple house that you might have drawn at school or a kindergarten, it's a basically a square with a square window and a rectangle door. And on top of that is a big triangle, and it's usually got a chimney puffing out smoke as well with the sun shining, which is a bit odd, but never mind. But that triangle... Most cases, the edges of those that triangle overhang the sides of the rectangle, unless you've got some sort of postmodernist child who's uh, been influenced by a bit of bad 90s architecture. But the, the way that an old house looks and the appeal of an old house, and I'm talking really pre-1970s, 1980s here, there's something distinctive about that. And if you if you look at an older house long enough, you realize that one of the distinctive features is the roof and the fact that the roof line generally extends beyond the edge of the wall. And this is, you can trace this back 
long, long way back to hundreds of year old houses, thatched roofs even, the, there's a very good reason why a roof overhangs a wall. And following through with that, there is a very bad reason for doing things like internal gutters. And those two reasons are obviously very related because you want that overhang there to protect the walls and to protect from over, um, too much sun. So the first one, I think, is just admiration. It looks right. It's, the proportions are right and it looks looks correct to have a roof that slightly overhangs the walls, in my humble opinion. So admiration is the first one. Precipitation. Now, that's uh, pretty logical in a place like Auckland here. We have quite high rainfall. Having an overhang helps keep the walls dry. Sounds kind of obvious, but in an age of leaky buildings, and we are still very much in an age of leaky buildings, this cannot be underestimated. And I think we've relied, well, we, we know that we've relied too much on building materials and um, kind of new design styles and, and technologies of, of construction to sort of get away without doing eaves. And we've got a bit lazy. Sometimes it's about cramming houses into confined spaces and making the most of um, a subdivided block. And I think there's nothing worse than a, a modern house stuck in the backyard of a, a pre-existing home. And that modern house is so obviously built to the recession plane or the, the legal boundaries of the uh, that that rear section. It, it, it's just so painfully obvious sometimes when there's a sloping wall in a back bedroom. And that's simply there at that angle because that's where they're allowed to build to and they've just built up to that limit. And then taken a, it's like a, a chunk's been taken out of the top corner of that building. Very, very ugly. So not much admiration going on there. And when it does precipitate, when it rains, we have issues. If not immediately, then certainly sometime down the track. There's also a really good reason for having eaves uh, near doorways because if you think of an extension of an eave, an eave very quickly becomes a veranda or a porch or a pergola or a whatever you like to call it, but an overhang that is extended into a maybe a, an outdoor living space, but also just makes a entrance into a house that much more versatile. You think of a, a good-looking terrace house with a small porch above the front door. That that porch is so useful. Without it, you really, really notice not having a transition area from the the wind and the rain outside into the warm, dry interior of your home. And a porch is just really an extension of an eave for, for that reason of keeping out uh, precipitation. And I call it precipitation because we're not just talking rain here. If you live in a very cold climate, then um, obviously snow and ice are real um, impacts that affect the home and also how you live in the home. And you only have to look at a typical design. If you picture a, a Swiss chalet, then a Really distinctive feature of that is a big roof, a roof that overhangs the walls, and those are there for a very good reason. 
think of a, a hut out in the uh, in the high country, and there are some uh, great photos of ice peeling and slowly curling around the sides of of that hut. And you can imagine what it would be like if those buildings had no overhang. So two reasons why overhangs are a very good idea. The third one, radiation, is probably the kicker for me. And this is the one that really hit home today when I was walking down a north-south facing road in the evening on a sunny day in springtime and I saw the sun beating down on the west side of some houses. And one house, which was a more traditional design, had some pretty decent overhangs and also some external shading, looked like it was it was coping pretty well with that with that sun, that late afternoon, early evening sun uh, shining right onto the western face. Fairly close to that, there was a house that basically had no eaves, and I could tell that that was getting hot inside that house. The blinds were down. You could see that the cladding was, it was pretty weathered. It looked sunburnt. It looked like it had been out and, and it, it looked older, even though the house was actually newer, which you could tell by the kind of ugly design of it. It looked more weathered than an older home. And this is quite often the case, I think, where not an, uh, enough attention has been paid to to decent shading and good I guess what we're really talking about here is, is passive design. So there we go. Admiration, precipitation and radiation, three very good reasons for having eaves and for making a good-sized roof that overhangs the walls. Now, as I mentioned, I'm not just talking about a roof. Uh, we're talking about porches and uh, and pergolas and, and patios, things like that. But you can also have a decent size eave or a small eave even over a window. If you have a um, an end of a house roof, which doesn't facilitate having a um, the roof actually overhang a window, then some and you'll notice this in in all sort of pre nineteen fifties nineteen sixties homes, they'll still have a, maybe an, their own little tiny roof that is just for that window. And this was before we were really hung up with sills and flashings and, and weather tightness issues. A lot of these windows probably don't actually have a flashing and they don't need one. And the reason for that is because they have a decent overhang of some type that's actually protecting that rain from uh, getting into that window. But as a result, they'll also be getting a reasonable level of shading. All right. So that's enough on why eaves are a good idea. Clearly, I think they are a good idea and should be a part of any good design, even modern design as well. And don't get me wrong, I'm not endorsing for any moment or suggesting that you only have to have a big triangle sitting on top of a rectangular box as a, as a good house design. There are some really beautiful designs where you have a monopitch roof or a, or a single sloped roof uh, really modern design could be be a floating uh, roof where you have glass high um, high glass win uh, windows all the way around the top of that. Uh, but these have also also can have um, must have I should say really 
long um, overhangs if they're a, a monopitch roof to the uh, the north or what should I say the equator facing side of the home. So we're not. It doesn't have to be archaic or antiquated design to accommodate good overhangs and, and good eaves. But the question is, how big should those eaves be? And this can get quite complicated, but fortunately there are some very cool tools out there, and I'll put some links to uh, a few of them on the show notes for this episode. And um, like I said, you, you can you can get complicated with this stuff, um, there are things called star, uh, sorry, sun charts, and I love them, but they they are a little bit odd to look at, and I wouldn't recommend um, diving into them unless you've got a little bit of time to to figure out what's going on. But sun charts, because we've known about the sun and the movements of the the, the sun and the moon and the planets for centuries, a lot all this stuff is known. It's known really, really well and to a great level of detail. So you can look at this um, for any location on the surface of the planet. You can know where the sun is going to be at any particular time of the day, any day of the year. And if you're not using this in your designs or if your designer is not using this for your home, then you really need to be considering either changing your uh, process or changing your designer because there's no excuse for this stuff. The Romans were doing it. Um, so have a look at some sun charts. I mean, they're, they're a thing of beauty in themselves if you're into that sort of stuff, but there are some really cool tools there and I'll put some links, but the thing that surprised me, and there are some fairly simple calculations you can do um, to figure out how the big your eaves should be for your particular location and size of window the thing that surprises me, though, is how big, in most cases, the eaves should be. And I remember this from uh, years ago when I was doing some very early, early energy modeling and just being so surprised that the optimum um, size of eaves was so much bigger than the standard. And I, so the standard might be sort of five, six hundred millimeters, half a millimeter, a couple of, um, sorry, half a meter, uh, which is a, a couple of feet. But in most cases here in New Zealand, we should be building them six, nine hundred, even 1.2 meters deep, uh, particularly if you have a very high wall. Now, the best way to describe this optimum size is probably with a diagram because it's a bit of triangulation is it's basically you're looking for a triangle where the bottom of the window is shaded during the summertime so when the sun is at the highest angle in the sky and in the winter when the sun is at a lower angle the sun is coming in uh, to as much of that window as possible so if you can picture the sun up high in the sky in the middle of summer the summer solstice down low in winter and then drawing a triangle between well, two triangles really because it sort of intersects at the the point of the very edge of that eave so the tip the uh, corner tip of the the roof and then crosses over and one of those lines will ideally hit the top of the window and the other line will hit the bottom of the window down at the, the sill 
And so because it's a triangle, there's no magic number because it it is dependent on, firstly, your location on the surface of the planet, primarily your distance from the equator, whether it's north or south, and then also the size of the window. And the, and the key dimension there is actually the distance from the sill, so that the bottom of the window, up to the level of the... Um, the the eave and that is obviously different if you have a raked ceiling like a, a mono pitch that that uh, where the the eave is going upwards from the side of the house versus a more traditional roof where the roof is coming down and uh, like a peaked cap is sort of shading the house uh, then if that's the case where it's coming down you don't need to have the the eave sticking out as far so, look, I'll leave um, a couple of references there for some tools that are out there. And I'll also uh, put a link back to episode number 78 because Leslie England, which we um, she talked about some of the modeling that she had done in her interview. And she's also got a great little movie, uh, which I've linked to, which shows exactly how this works and how you can show the impact of changing either the window size or the eave size on your um, summer and winter, uh, sorry, your, your shading, but also the sun in coming into your home. And that's a great tool for communicating all this stuff in a, in a dynamic way. So that's enough for uh, this week. In summary, eaves. Please, please use them. They are there for a reason. And three reasons, in fact. They are radiation, precipitation, and admiration. So they will help control the sun. They'll help make sure you don't get too much sun in summer and help you get good sun in the winter. They'll help with moisture control. So they'll help with the precipitation. They'll keep the rain out of the windows and all those joins but not just the rain. We're also talking about other forms of, of dampness that can collect on the roof. And, of course, admiration. You've got to make your houses look good. They've got to, got to be good design. So there we go, a classic case of form-following function. hope that was useful, and I hope the links are useful as well. If you have any other resources uh, relating to this topic, then please do shout out. You can contact me, Matthew, at homestylegreen.com. You can also head over to facebook.com slash homestylegreen. I'm also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+. And, of course, you can check out all the information on this episode over at homestylegreen.com slash 86. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you do enjoy this show, then I'd love to hear from you and also love to get a review over on iTunes. That really helps reach out to our audience. Thanks very much for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. And before I sign off, I'll just do a quick shout-out to Nadora, who are the sponsors of the show. Couldn't bring you to this... Uh, sorry, couldn't bring you this show each week without their help. Check them out over at Energy Efficiency, sorry, Energy Efficient Buildings. It's actually quite late at night, little secret there. So I'm stumbling over my words and I have just come back from Australia. 
Check out Nudora, energyefficientbuilding.co.nz. Thanks very much, and I'll talk to you again next week. Now go make a better place to live. Thank you.